Once again, we're in the book of Romans, chapter 5. We left off last week with verse 11, so we're going to pick it up again this week in verse 12. And the design of these verses is this. There are two points to what we're about to look at. First is to show how men came to be in the condition of sin, in the condition of depravity, and the inability to do anything that would please the Lord in the flesh. Secondly is to compare the two heads, Adam and Christ. God sees all men in Adam, their head and representative. In his descendants, we are all under sin, condemned to death, yet God sees the believer in Christ, his head, as a representative. In Christ we are redeemed and we live in him. In Adam we died. In Christ we live. In Adam we lost the way, the truth, and the life. In Christ he is the way, the truth, and the life. Adam is a type and reverse of Christ, Adam, the first Adam. The only way that Adam typified Christ was as the the head of a race. The remainder of the comparison is the opposite of that. Look over, if you would, at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, one page to the or one, one book to the right. And look with me, if you would, at verses 45 through 49. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 45. And we're talking about the two Adams here. The first Adam being Adam with Eve, and the second Adam being our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is written in verse 45. The first man, Adam, that's Adam and Eve, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. How be it? That was not first which was spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward which is that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly. The second man is the Lord of heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So there you see, the, so there we see the difference between the two Adams. The first Adam, man, he was a living soul. The second Adam, as it said, was a quickening spirit. First Adam, man, was of the earth. The second one was Lord of heaven. The second one made sinners in him. The first one made sinners in him, in, his, in what he had done, and the second one made righteous in him, in what he had done. First Adam, death reigned in him. The second Adam, life can be found in him. Now in verse 12, we read of Romans chapter 5, where we pick up after we did last week. Now remember, last week we looked at being justified by faith. Actually, that was two weeks ago. And then we saw the love of God and how he justified us by faith in verses 3 through 11. So in verse 12, we pick up wherefore, because of that, because of God's love for his people, because we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, as we read in verse 10, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. By our daddy Adam, by the first man created on this earth, transgression, sin, entered into the world. And by reputation, in other words, a representation and imputation, sin and its results, and the results of that is spiritual death, physical death, darkness, disease, and enmity against God, it entered into all men after that. When Adam sinned and fell, we sinned and fell in him. Sin was not only imputed to us, 
but a nature of sin was imparted to us. And we can read that over in Psalms chapter 51. Psalms 51. In verse 5, we read these words. Behold, I was shapen in the iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. See there? We were born in sin. Our nature was conformed to sin by what Adam had done. Over in the 58th Psalm, just a couple of pages to the right, we read it, we read it this way over there in verse uh, 3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Is that not each and every one of us? That was our nature before God came along and gave us a new nature. Look at our text. You'll notice at the beginning of verse 13, there's a parenthesis. Back in uh, Romans chapter 5, you'll notice there's a parenthesis at number 13 there, all the way through the end of number 17. So we're going to skip. We're going to skip that. We'll come back to it. But let's jump up to verse 18 for just a moment, would you? Therefore, we just read that all have sinned. Death passed upon all men, for all had sinned in verse 12. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men. You see how that goes together there? And condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Paul is telling us that therefore, as one man's, one man's sin, in other words, Adam's sin, led to judgment and condemnation for all who had, that he represented, that was all of mankind, that means you and I included, so by one man's obedience, that would be Christ Jesus. Because who in the world, other than Christ, obey, obeyed God? I've never done it. Some people think they are. Some people truly think that they're obeying God to the T. Good enough to make them better than what they were before. <clears throat> there was only one whose obedience satisfied God the Father. Whose sacrifice brought justification upon mankind whose redemption redeemed a people unto himself and life to all for whom he represented that was Christ Jesus we weren't present physically when Adam fell but we were in his loins we were in him as the covenant head of human race therefore we were condemned in him in the same fashion when our Lord perfectly obeyed God's holy requirements and satisfied God's justice on the cross we were in him as his seed and the as a covenant people. That's what we read over in 1 Corinthians. I'll turn over and read it for you over in chapter 15 of, of 1 Corinthians. We read these words in verses 21 and 22. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ the second Adam shall all be made alive. And therefore, we are accepted in Him and justified by Him. Back in our text in verse 19, we read these words, For as one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Well, the words here, were made and be made, in this verse, are very important to consider. <clears throat> were made and be made. Adam's sin did not put us on trial and make us only susceptible to sin nor lead us into sin. Did you catch that? Adam's sin did not put us on trial and make us only susceptible to sin or lead us into sin. But by his fall, we were actually made sinners. We were actually made to be sinners. I am actually a sinner. I'm not, God doesn't judge me for what Adam did. He judges me for me. 
I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I don't stand there and tell you, oh, the devil made me do it. Oh, Adam made me do it. I am a sinner and I used to love sin. Now you think, what you used to love? The evil and wickedness that was in you? Folks, everything that doubts, everything in our flesh that doubts our Lord, that does not believe God for who He is, what He did, and where He is right now, is as much a sin as anything else you can think of in your life. Doubting God is the same thing as calling Him a liar. And before the Lord called me out of darkness, just the fact that I didn't care about Him was enough to say that I don't believe Him. People think that only those who are child rapists, those who are cheaters on their wives or husbands, those who killed somebody are, are sinners. Everything about the human mind is sinful to our God. We lived in darkness and we loved that darkness and we turned from the light. We would not come to it. That's the sin nature that we have within us. Adam's sin did not make us sinners. We are sinners by nature through what he had done. Just the same, even so, Christ's obedience did not render us savable nor enable us to be righteous before God by our own works. But we were made righteous and sanctified entirely on the basis of what He did. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 is all about. I'll turn over there and let me read that for you. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For He, God, hath made Him, His Son, to be sin for us, He who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Back in our text in verse 20, we read, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but there were, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The law came in to make apparent, to make it perfectly clear what evil was, what evil was in us by birth and nature. The law takes away all excuses. It reveals to us what we are. We are guilty sinners before God. But where sin overflowed, abounded, and contaminated every facility of us, the grace of God in Christ did much more overflow. It was more than what we could fill ourselves with sin. Christ overfilled us with His grace, with His mercy. Turn over to 1 John chapter 5. Look with me, if you would, at verses 3 through 5. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is He that overcometh the world? But He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Sin has such a power over men in our, in our state of nature that it's said to reign in death. Its dominion, controlling, commanding power over voluntary subjects. So it is the state of regeneration. Righteousness in Christ, the grace of God, reigns and holiness becomes our governing principle. People say, well, you don't have any law in you. You're a lawless people. What is that word? Antinomian? Lawless? You don't have to follow the law? That's foolishness. I'm going to bring that a little deeper too. That is such foolishness to a child of God, isn't it? You may think we're talking that where the law is no good, but the law is perfect. God, everything about our God is good. Everything about it. Everything about our Lord is good. But folks, it doesn't matter how good I try to do God's law. It's not good enough. I need somebody who's perfect, who's done it perfectly for me. 
Nothing I can do in this flesh will satisfy my God. But my Savior, His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Because He's done it all for us. He said it is finished. Now look at verse 21 of our text here. That sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin had such power over us in our natural state that it is to said have reigned in death. It had dominion, controlling, commanding power. Okay, let's look over at Romans chapter 6 and look at verse 12 and 14 over there. We're talking about the power of our God overreigning the sinfulness of our flesh. 14, 12 through 14, we read these words, Let not sin therefore reign in your reign in your mortal body, that it should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. There's the practical godliness. But practical godliness, folks, cannot be left to itself. We have to include the gospel. Verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Oh, how wonderful. There's the gospel. There's the gospel. Grace. Grace. And more grace. Now go back to verse 13 of our text. Romans chapter 5, verse 13. In verses 13 and 14, we read these words, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Now back in verse 12, it declares this. It says that death passed upon all men. That means death passed upon, as we just read, even on Adam. Adam and Eve died at their natural old age. They lived only so many years. They're not still alive with us today, are they? The body has to return to the dust. And that's what this is talking about. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam unto Moses. The law is not what causes death. Sin causes death. In verse 12, it declares that death passed upon all men. None can stop it or escape its power because in Adam all have sinned. Even those who lived before the law was given in Sinai were sinners under the condemnation. But someone might argue this. They said, well, where if there was no law, a man is not accountable. Is that true? If this be true, then why did death reign before Moses? Why did people die? Infants died, didn't they? Infants who did not even commit an act of rebellion like Adam did died because Adam was a figure of Christ in one respect. As we have stated back in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 21. We've already read that. Continuing on back in our text in verse 15, but not as the offense also is a free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God, now here's that, here's that overflowing grace, that abundant grace that we just talked about a minute ago, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Though in one sense Adam is a type of Christ, the fall in Adam and the judgments which followed are not worthy to be compared to the grace of God and the free gift of life which we find in His Son, the Lord Jesus. In Adam we lost all things. In Christ 
we, we gained much, much more than we lost. Verse 16, we read this, and not, and not as it was by the and not as it was by one that sins that sinned, so is the gift for the judgment was by one the condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Now this is talking about the effect of Christ's obedience. It should not be compared to the effect of Adam's sin. Adam's obedience bestows much more than what we lost in the fall. Our Lord pardons our sin. If Adam had never sinned, our Lord wouldn't have to pardon us for anything, would he? You see the point, though, that's being made here about how much Christ is much more than what Adam did? What we gained through Christ is much more than what we lost in Adam? Our Lord Jesus shines His grace upon us because of that. And because of that, that grace is much more beautiful than even the creation that God created in Adam. We see the mercy of God in what He's done for His people. Christ pardons us for sin, not just one, but all. Christ justifies in such a way that the believer is righteous and can never perish. We can read about that in John 10. And then in verse 17, we read these words, For if by, men, if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. If through Adam death reigned over us, much more shall those who are made righteous in Christ reign in him. Look over at Romans chapter 8, would you? And we'll close with that. Verses 16 and 17. We shall reign unto life in our Savior, Christ Jesus. We who are made righteous by Christ, we reign with him. In verse 16 we read this, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Has God given Christ everything? Does He not sit on the throne of all things now, working all things out after His own will? Does that, isn't that where the Lord Jesus sits right now? Well, if He's sitting there... Doesn't it say in Ephesians that because of the love of God, He's made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ? We're joint heirs with the Savior. Everything is ours. All of this world, all of the troubles that we deal with in this world, it's all ours. Nothing can harm us. If He gave His only begotten Son for us, if He, laid, if he gave His Son to lay down for His life, how shall He not give us everything else with it? If so be that we or and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Oh to one who is in Christ the Lord. What what we have to be thankful for is so, so, so much.